Section 17 of The Lane That Had No Turning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Lane That Had No Turning and Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker. Times were hard in Pontiac. It was soon after the rebellion, and there was little food to be had and less money, and winter was at hand. Pontiac, ever most loyal to old France, though obedient to the English, had herself sent few recruits to be shot down by Colborne, but she had emptied her pockets in sending to the front the fullness of her barns and the best cattle of her fields she gave her all she was frank in giving hid nothing and when her own trouble came there was no voice calling on her behalf and pontiac would rather starve than beg so as the winter went on she starved in silence and no one had more than sour milk and bread and a potato now and then the cure the avocat and the little chemist fared no better than the habitants for they gave all they had right and left and themselves often went hungry to bed and the truth is that few outside pontiac knew of her suffering she kept the secret of it close it seemed at last however to the cure that he must after all write to the world outside for help that was when he saw the faces of the children get pale and drawn there never was a time when there was so few fish in the river and so little game in the woods at last from the altar steps one sunday the cure with a calm sad voice told the people that for the dear children's sake they must sink their pride and ask help from without he would write first to the bishop of quebec for said he mother church will help us she will give us food and money to buy seed in the spring and please god we will pay all back in a year or two he paused a minute then continued some one must go to speak plainly and wisely of our trouble that there be no mistake we are not beggars we are only borrowers who will go i may not myself for who would give the blessed sacrament and speak to the sick or say mass and comfort you there was silence in the church for a moment and many faces meanwhile turned instinctively to monsieur garon the avocat and some to the little chemist who will go asked the cure again it is a bitter journey but our pride must not be our shame in the end who will go everyone expected that the avocat or the little chemist would rise but while they looked at each other waiting and sorrowful and the avocat's fingers fluttered to the seat in front of him to draw himself up 
a voice came from the corner opposite saying monsieur le curé i will go a strange painful silence fell on the people for a moment and then went round an almost incredulous whisper parpon the dwarf parpon's deep eyes were fixed on the curé his hunched body leaning on the rail in front of him his long strong arms stretched out as if he were begging for some good thing the murmur among the people increased but the curé raised his hand to command silence and his eyes gazed steadily at the dwarf it might seem that he was noting the huge head the shaggy hair the overhanging brows, the weird face of this distortion of a thing made in God's own image. But he was thinking instead of how the angel and the devil may live side by side in a man and neither be entirely driven out, and the angel conquer in great times and seasons he beckoned to parpon to come over and the dwarf trotted with a sidelong motion to the chancel steps every face in the congregation was eager and some were mystified even anxious they all knew the singular power of the little man his knowledge his deep wit his judgment his occasional fierceness his infrequent malice but he was kind to children and the sick, and the curé, and the avocat, and their little coterie respected him. Once everybody had worshipped him. That was when he had sung in the mass, the day of the funeral of the wife of Ferret the miller, for whom he worked. It had been rumoured that in his hut, by the rock of red pigeons, up at Dalgroth Mountain, a voice of most wonderful power and sweetness had been heard singing but this was only rumour yet when the body of the miller's wife lay in the church he had sung so that men and women wept and held each other's hands for joy he had never sung since however his voice of silver was locked away in the cabinet of secret purposes which every man has somewhere in his own soul what will you say to the bishop parpon asked the curé the congregation stirred in their seats for they saw that the curé intended parpon to go parpon went up two steps of the chancel quietly and caught the arm of the curé drawing him down to whisper in his ear a flush and then a peculiar soft light passed over the curé's face and he raised his hands over parpon's head in benediction and said go my son and the blessing of god and of his dear son be with you then suddenly he turned to the altar and raising his hands he tried to speak but only said o lord thou knowest our pride and our vanity hear us and soon afterward with tearful eyes he preached from the text and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not five days later a little uncouth man 
took off his hat in the chief street of quebec and began to sing a song of picardy to an air which no man in french canada had ever heard little farmers on their way to the market by the place de cathedral stopped listening though every moment's delay lessened their chances of getting a stand in the market-place butchers and milkmen loitered regardless of waiting customers a little company of soldiers caught up the course and to avoid involuntary revolt their sergeant halted them that they might listen gentlemen strolling by doctor lawyer officer idler paused and forgot the raw climate for this marvellous voice in the unshapely body warmed them and they pushed in among the fast-gathering crowd ladies hurrying by in their sleighs lost their hearts to the thrilling notes of little grey fisherman where is your daughter where is your daughter so sweet little grey man who comes over the water i have knelt down at her feet knelt at your gabrielle's feet Cici. presently the wife of the governor stepped out from her sleigh and coming over quickly took parpon's cap from his hand and went round among the crowd with it gathering money he is hungry he is poor she said with tears in her eyes she had known the song in her childhood and he who used to sing it to her was in her sight no more in vain the gentleman would have taken the cap from her she gathered the money herself and others followed and parpon sang on a night later a crowd gathered in the great hall of the city filling it to the doors to hear the dwarf sing he came on the platform dressed as he had entered the city with heavy home-made coat and trousers and moccasins and a red woollen comforter about his neck but this comforter he took off when he began to sing old france and new france and the loves and hates and joys and sorrows of all lands met that night in the soul of this dwarf with the divine voice who did not give them his name so that they called him for want of a better title the provincial and again two nights afterwards it was the same and yet again a third night and a fourth and the simple folk and wise folk also went mad after parpon the dwarf then suddenly he disappeared from quebec city and the next sunday morning while the cure was saying the last words of the mass he entered the church of st saviour at pontiac going up to the chancel steps he waited the murmuring of the people drew the cure's attention and then seeing parpon he came forward parpon drew from his breast a bag and put it in his hands and beckoning down the cure's head he whispered the cure turned to the altar and raised the bag towards it in ascription and thanksgiving then he turned to parpon again but the dwarf was trotting away down the aisle and from the church dear children 
said the curé we are saved and we are not shamed he held up the bag parpon has brought us two thousand dollars we shall have food to eat and there shall be more money against seed time the giver of this good gift demands that his name be not known such is all true charity let us pray so hard times passed from pontiac as the months went on but none save the curé and the avocat knew who had helped her in her hour of need End of section 17